Boom. Hello and welcome to the Protector Nation podcast, a podcast that is dedicated to making the world a better place, making the world a safer place by making good people dangerous. In this podcast, we're going to study and understand what it takes to protect, to protect your family, to protect your loved ones, because we all know that you have a few basic needs, food, water, and shelter, but you also have the need to protect those things. In a world and society where evil runs rampant and is sometimes left unchecked, learning how to protect yourselves and your loved ones is becoming more and more important. And so we strive to raise the level of accountability to those who would do evil on this planet by making sure that the sheep, that the flock, is more well-versed in protecting themselves and their loved ones. If that sounds interesting to you, then sit back and enjoy the show. Out. Boom! What's up, what's up, you guys? Here we are with another awesome episode, Protected Podcast. I might drop this on EPL as well. And um, I have an honored guest here today, somebody who's influenced so many of our lives. Uh, definitely my life, I didn't even realize it. <laughs> uh, the infamous Paul Lazada. How you doing, man? I'm good, brother. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's an honor, man. It's an honor to have you here, you know, so... Uh, it's an honor to be on on your podcast as well, brother. No, 100%. Thank you. No, I appreciate that, man. I, um, you know, it's funny because, so those of you who don't know, uh, Paul's had his hand in a lot of different things. He's impacted a lot of industries, law enforcement, um, and amongst other things. And then also he's done some stuff with showbiz and some of the movies that we love, like Training Day. Okay. You know, Man on Fire. Uh, Tears of the Sun, uh, Equalizer. He's had influence in all those different things. Um, an amazing career as a law enforcement officer. Uh, and I, I really, you know, as I've learned more about him, love uh, everything about it, man. I love that he's he's done some of the harder things. You know, I do like the controversy. I like to understand people that have been kind of through the gauntlet, that have been on all sides of everything. Um, and so I really respect you, man. I honor you for coming out on top you know, and being here with us, you know, after all the dust settled and all the opinions and everybody weighing on everything. Um, so I really want to learn more about that and on you for that, brother, for sure. I know, I appreciate it. Just by the grace of God that I've been allowed to be privileged enough to have served him in that capacity. So all glory goes to him. Yo, that's the truth, man. I love that. And that's the way, that's the only reason I'm here as well, man. You know, as you know, I think that's the truth for both of us, man. Oh, absolutely. He's also got a new book out, Officer 187. You got, and that's really his badge number, y'all. <laughs> that's a real thing. Yeah. Yo, and he's got stories that are like blow your mind, man. We've had a few meetings and I'm sitting there listening to him like, yo, people need to know about this, man. They need to make a movie about your life, bro. That's I real. I know. No, 100%. So, yeah, man. Well, I guess why don't you break it down for him, give them the lowdown a little bit about, you know, who you are, your background, and things like that so they know who they're listening to, my man, if they don't okay. know already. Right on, right on. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, of course, you know, Paul Lozada. I'm born and raised in San Francisco, California. Uh, grew up a little bit on the, the wild side. You know, my parent, my father's military career, military guy, command sergeant major. You know, he was in uh, special forces and uh, military intelligence. Uh, so, you know, and, and, and a, a renowned martial artist. So we came up, we weren't allowed to like uh, participate in the, you know, the regular activities in school. When we went to school, it was all about martial arts. We had to just train, train, train. And, you know, same thing with guns. We were little kids, like seven years old. We was already at the range, you know, shooting pistols and stuff. So, you know, we had to come up a little bit different from the average kid. 
And uh, I think it, it kind of reinforced, uh, how you say, uh, the discipline aspect of my life and, and anything that we had or myself had uh, participated in. You know, it was a lot, a lot of focus and it was always to come come up on top. You know what I mean? If you if you weren't first, you were last type of mentality. And so, you know, you had to give it your all in everything that we've done, you know? And yeah, um, cool. my dad was the same way, man. He was a martial artist. So he would take me to the dojo when I go visit him. Like my mom raised me during the winters and my dad would have me during the summers. So he'd take me to the dojo and just basically kick me all over the place, right. you know, just rough bamboo, bamboo sticks and all, right? Literally, bro. And I would just survive, you know, and then and then he would be like, yo, you're getting fat living with your mom. And he'd be like, 100 laps in the pool, 500 sit-ups, 100 push-ups, run on the treadmill every single day. And then he'd get one of those little bags. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, the bag with the BBs in it. Yeah, and right, and you start hitting it. Yeah, if you're gonna watch TV, I, you need to be hitting the bag every I, yeah, <laughs> TV. Yo, that's what's up, man. My pop's the same way. If you get he's like the Rogers, we're gonna be the first, the best, the strongest. That's what he always used to say. Right. With, that, with that type of mentality, man, you, you know, you you will come up on top. But I have to uh, reinforce that those values. I mean, my mom was even tougher than my dad, you know, in the sense that because she was was the one that was like basically running things, and she was, you know. An entrepreneur, she was part of everything. She was in the music industry. Wow. She dealt with gangsters. I mean, mom was a she was the head of the game. She was the one that was like, okay, you guys, when we're little kids, uh, you know, here, if, if something goes down here, you got these knives, you're gonna use this, you're gonna you know, mm -hmm. stick a guy here, 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 you know, do these kind of moves. And if not, grab the gun in the back seat under, underneath the, uh, the chair. You know, it's like, so we're like, wow, you're eight, nine years old, you know, yeah. this is up in, your, up in your mind. So you start thinking, you know, I don't wanna say it's warped, but you start to really like, you know, you're, you're like way ahead of the game. Yep. You know, our whole thing was survival, you know, because he was like, okay, the world's going to end. Earthquakes are going to demolish California, San Francisco. So you got to be, you got to be ready for the next phase in life. Next. So, you know, yeah. So it was like one of those things. So, you know, as we started to come up, martial arts and all that good stuff, with, you know, tournament fighting, you know, the regular norm that most kids go through as young children. You're talking like this is in the late 60s, early 70s. But, you know, after, you know, doing all the championship, the circuit and all that stuff, I got to a point for myself, you know, because when we would fight, my, our dad would integrate combat, the combat, you know, like in the military, you train, you Marine. I mean, yeah. it's like kill or be killed. Uh -huh. So we're getting this mentality as, as little kids fighting. It's like, okay, now you got to take this guy out, take him out fast. I said, well, we want to win a trophy. And nah, it's not about the trophy. It's about winning, you know, coming out alive on top. Because if you're on the bottom, you lost. Anyway, so we, we started. Fight. We don't fight. We we end fights. <laughs> right, right, right. So in the process of that, you know, we started to create, you know, a, a more combative type of system. And this is way before MMA got into play. You're talking early seventies, uh, mid seventies. And you know, when we're fighting, you know, people, oh, you can't do, you can't do a takedown. You know, take a dude, throw a kick, snap him on the ground, start pounding him. You know, ground to pound. It wasn't illegal, but right. we still did it anyways. Man, just, just do it. You know, it's this way you can get your skill factor up. So after winning, 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 it got to the point that as I got older, you know, as I, uh, in, in my teenage years, you know, I started hanging out. a lot of guys that come to our school with gangbangers and stuff. So I, I was surrounded by all the different gangs. And so, you know, it gave me a whole different perspective. You know, I saw, you know, I was raised you know, very disciplined, but then I saw what looked what appeared to be fun, mm -hmm. you know, and it was like, nah, you know, I can't do that. But it's because I in, engage with these guys on a daily basis, you know, I, it became part of my world and understanding what took place then. So as it started to move on, as I started to get to my, towards my, you know, late, you know, 19, 18, 19, you know, I like guns. 
And it was a matter of, you know, like, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to be like all the rest of the guys in the family bad or am I going to be good? Right. You know, and I had to, it came to a, a pivotal point in my life that it was the decision to make. Well, you know what? I'm going to go in law enforcement. I figured I wanted to take the martial arts to the combatives to another level. Because, you know, in the tournament, you got a referee, but on the street, you don't. Right. You know what I mean? You can't, you know, same thing like like nowadays, you know, a lot of the guys and they start fighting, you know, they go right down to the ground. But, you know, you got to know how to fight up top as well as on the bottom. You can't just reduce your uh, abilities to one specific uh, discipline or system right. because you limit yourself. Just like in, you know, in the combatives and in, in your world or yeah, our man. world is that, you know, you got to use the necessary tools to accomplish the goal, what your objective is. So you got to know, you got to, every right? single time. Yeah, I mean, you need to know how to use, you need to know how to use your, uh, you know, rolled up newspaper just as effective as a stick or as a knife. Right. Because you may be limited in your uh, abilities to garnish another weapon if yours is taken away, you know, gun, knife, or whatever the case may be. So right. you know, you have to think ahead in that aspect. So in going into the uh, the police or the law enforcement, I wanted to take it to another level, see what really worked, how to test out, to hone the skills, see what really worked. Yeah, you know, and, I, and I have to say, I've, I've been in hundreds of fights, real ones. Yeah. I haven't been, haven't been defeated yet because my whole, my whole mindset was, in a sense, the kill would be killed. So right. it's like you have to go to that next level because I don't. I'm I'm kind of small cat, man. I'm not trying to get pounced. So I right. gotta be. You know, you gotta utilize. Your, everybody has this animal instinct, but it's a matter right. of, matter of identifying it, nurturing it, and to be able to apply it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And a lot, you know, a lot of people. I say you can't. You know, you can show people the way, but it's a matter of them taking that knowledge and applying. it. Yeah, man, so, that's that Morpheus quote right there, man. There's right. a difference between knowing the path and walking the path, man. Right. And this stuff, you can talk about it, but if you haven't trained it, if you haven't gotten in there and gotten banged up or banged, right. then you really just don't have you don't have that that X factor, man. I think a right. lot of guys like us that were raised like this is once you understand and and an advantage a lot of aggressors have on normal people and even cops that are doing the work that aren't that aren't actually training is they understand violence. So they can achieve a higher level of violence more quickly. And it catches a lot of cats off guard. Right, tell them a surprise. The other day, yeah, man, it was like three cops, one dude. You could tell that one dude was a banger, a gangbanger, and he understood violence. He got out the car and just started dropping dudes, man. And the cops were like, "Eh, eh, eh," and I was like, your badge ain't always going to protect you. Right. That's what I tried to say during the tactical protection review. I was like, you... You know, you wrote a blank, a blank check when you laced up your shoes this morning that you might have to cash at any minute. So if you're doing this as a profession, you got to make sure you're formidable. Right. <laughs> you got to you got to know the game. And it's like, you know, the difference between living and dying is knowing and not knowing. And, yeah. and part of the factor is, is that when you when you get into this, this I'm going to say it's a game, but when you get into this profession, man, right. you got to, you know, realize your weaknesses and how you have to develop and uh, better your skill factor. Like you said, the X factor, because you don't got it, you don't got it. And what happens is a lot of people in law enforcement, they figure once they pop that badge on, man, you're invincible. Yeah, but That's not the case. That's not the case. I mean, you know, like 95% of my career was yeah. spent undercover. So I had to like, you know, I had to, when I had to go into the hood, you know, doing my thing, I'm on, I'm like, I'm like this, playing clothes, man. So, you know, they either had to respect you for your abilities and what you're, what you're going to get out with. Or he's going to take you out the game immediately. Yeah. You know what I mean? Wow. And you know, it's, and it's, it's it's a mindset. It's it's a lifestyle. You know what I mean? That uh, you have to live by. You Message. know, you can't just right. You can't you can't just you know all of a sudden you know oh I, I'm like you guys I I know guys are just proficient with the firearm. I mean they right. can shoot the nuts off a fly. 
I mean, right. there's some badass dudes, right? But man, the moment they get engaged in confrontation, they freeze up. It's a whole nother thing. Right. It's a whole nother game. And, you know, in our martial arts, we had, we had a thing called the five S's. Uh-huh. It was a strength, stamina, skill, speed, but the most important, surprise. Because, mm. see, they don't know what you know, in a sense that, because if you already, you have to have in your mindset already, like I teach a, a class, you know, it's with the, the training day, like yours, training yeah. day, right? But it's, uh, it's a matter of, no, it's three seconds, you're already dead. If you don't know when you get on the scene with something within those first three seconds, how you're going to respond and react yeah. to whatever the situation is, and you're going to be able to take it to that next level, you're already dead. Because that guy that you come across with has no distinct and distinction between life and death. Right. You know, there's no, just gonna, no governor. There's right. no thing. There's, there's no timeouts. There's no thing right. there's to no stop. Bell. There's no nobody in the ring. Okay. Yeah, yeah, man. No time. Yeah. No, no, uh, no PC. All that yeah. stuff's out the window. Absolutely, man. man. So, you know, it's part of, you know, in the, like in the, in the training. So when we get into the police world, I had to identify, you know, of course, when I came in, I'm a rookie. So I got to yeah. go through, through the program. I got to, you know, you got to go, you know, ABCD, you know, you got to go through the, you know, the process. But in the course of that process, you start to see uh, deficiencies of others. I mean, you're like, oh, this guy's like officer safety risk. I'm like, I can't have him for backup because, you know, I may run the risk of getting shot, you know, right. things of that nature. So you have to like almost uh, place your mind in a, in a position of uh, tactical aggression. Right. See, that's what happens by taking that tactical aggression. You meet the threat before the threat meets you. Yep. This, you know, is, and, this is a Marine Corps principle, violence of action. Even if you get ambushed, you achieve such a high level of violence so quickly that you actually attack the attacker and you can turn the tide. You know, you take the fight to the enemy, get in their OODA loop, as we all talk about. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, to me, you know, in, in uh, getting into law enforcement, after I finished my, you know, the initial training and stuff, I was thrust right into undercover. So part of doing that, you know, I had to, you know, growing up on the street, I was able to distinguish, you know, I knew the bad guys from the gate, you know what I mean? Yeah. The, the, the problem is, is that the ones that you really can't realize that are the bad guys, because they don't look like a thug, they're not just like a thug, but their mannerisms mm-hmm. and the way they carry themselves, you know, present the, uh, uh, the notion that, okay, you may be dealing with somebody who's not the average thug per se. Yeah. So you have to be prepared to deal with that in any given situation. Yeah. You know, the sleepers. Yeah, the, the sleepers, exactly. So, you know, especially in the, you know, in the protective uh, world, as you do now, I mean, you know, you're, you're constantly, you know, eyeballing, running, scanning, advancing, because you got to know what the unexpected is going to be, because your whole uh, primary objective is to protect principle. Right. And the, with that, having been said, this is why during in the Protector Symposium Library, you guys, if you guys haven't, go to protectornation.com, check out our library. We have an instructor, Yusuf Badu, he teaches uh, law enforcement agencies, all the other agencies, uh, behavioral profiling, right? So you got your little palette in your mind of what you think a bad guy looks like. But if you understand how to profile behavior, understand what someone's subconscious is telling you about their intentions and what they're doing and their, their intent, you can really, really get ahead of the game, no matter what they look like, you know what I'm saying? You might see me and Paul and you might be like, oh, these guys are thugs. He's got tattoos and Paul's got chains on. And then you're going to be sitting there and you're going to be like, not even realizing like, yo, you're probably in the safest room you've been in all month because me and Paul are having lunch two stalls over. And the guy that you don't expect that you didn't think was anything like the dude, like the white guy that just looks like, you know, Heidi, the Heidi Ho neighbor guy 
walks in and starts shooting the place up because he's having a bad day. But if you were able to read his nervous behavior and notice he has too many clothes on for what time of day it is and you see the bulge in his waist and you start seeing that stuff, then that puts you ahead of game, increasing your protection quotient, your PQ. Download that free, download that content, make your family, you and your family watch it, protectorsymposium.com. Message. Just want to drop that in there because that's oh, absolutely. what we're talking about. It's situational, you know, situational awareness, brother. Situational yeah, awareness, you know. So yeah. you know. So in the course of the, the police world, you know, I mean, yeah. getting in, I got shot early on in the, in the game, uh, and so I was taken out, and uh, not permanently, but I got taken out. I got a shot in my leg, man, and it wow. shattered my femur, and I had to get a rod in my leg. So he basically told me, "Hey, you're gonna retire out, disabling disability." I'm only four years in the business, man. They want to just shut me off. No more yeah. martial arts, and you know, I'm like thinking to myself, you know. And I just got in. This is what I want to do. This is what I love. I mean, you know, this is what I want to do. You know, so I was pretty depressed. You know, I prayed. I prayed a lot on it. And, you know, God gave me the ability to, to, to take it to another step, man. And he allowed me to serve him in this capacity. Because I really didn't know what my purpose was in being a cop, which was actually to serve, serve God and to be able yeah. to reach out to those, you know, to protect those who can't be, can't protect themselves. You know, yeah. things of that nature, you know, deal with these murders, these very, very dangerous individuals out there that, nobody wants to deal with. And, you know, I was, you know, given the, uh, an honor to serve God in chasing these guys down, finding them and putting them where they needed to be, whether it be, you know, down under or back in jail, whatever the case may be, you yeah. know what I mean? But, you know, God put on that daily armor of God, went out there and did my job. You wow, know, I mean, he man. gave me the foresight, you know, to do that. And, you know, everybody, especially, I mean, not just, uh, you know, people in the EP industry, but as in, in law enforcement, I mean, you guys, we, 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 as men and women are given this uh, position, authority to do this job. So if you can take those concepts and that mentality, ground yourself, not only mind, body, but spirit, yep. you're going to be able to accomplish these, accomplish these tasks at hand. Because you yep. can't be the best at what you do if you're out of elements. And out of the element, if you don't have that triangular, you know what I mean? You're not, you're not going to be. So you can have the best fighter, the best man. He doesn't, you know, all that. And, and a bag of chips, but if you don't have all the rest of the stuff, you know what I mean? The yeah. mind, the spirituality, you're not yeah. going to be grounded. You're going to get caught up in the emotional aspect of the situation. And that's when it gets dangerous. That's when the tunnel vision kicks in and then you get lost in the tunnel. Yeah, man. No, no, no. That, 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 that's gold, man. Cause that's the X factor, man. I was dropping something in my stories today. I was like, you guys don't even realize, man, because people sometimes see me and they're like, Oh, you know, you look like this and you're that or whatever. And, 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 or you're strong or something or whatever. And I'm like, look, man, y'all don't even realize you only see like one quarter of who I am. Yeah. You know I'm saying like a dude like me, a dude like you, like you're only seeing my physical body, but really, you know, and this is, it goes back to a lesson I learned when I was a young man, I was in France and I was like, you know, paying 20 bucks for a Coca-Cola and learning. <laughs> and I was like freaking out. I was like, how are they going to charge us 20 bucks for a Coca-Cola, you know, to my boys. Right, right. Like, you got to realize there's a difference between strength and power. You know, strength is local to where we are in our physical bodies, but that's not everything. I've beaten opponents stronger than me many times because of these other factors you're talking about. Power is completely different. That comes from here and here from the grace of God, you know, and that that's what I think a lot of warriors are missing, man. So I'm glad you're touching on this because you've been around the block. You've been in it, man. How many how many uh, I guess how many officer involved shootings have you been in? Um. I'd say about, about, about nine. <laughs> about nine. So just so you guys know, you know, <laughs> just so you guys know, my man, 
He's talking from experience. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, just, yeah, just, just real one-on-one. This, yeah. is, this isn't the one when you have five cops go on a car, guy with a, inside a car with a gun, and everybody starts unloading on the car. Yeah. I'm, talk, I'm talking about this is, you know, one-on-one, one-on-one gun battles type wow. of stuff. You know what I mean? Like running gun battles, you know, the whole nine yards. I mean, I mean that's, that's, just, that's just, you know, discharging my weapon in necessary defense for myself and that of another. But just in like guys pulling guns on me, trying to rob me because I'm undercover, and I can go on and on. You know, knife fights, hatchet fights. I mean, it, it just on and on. If I was to, if I was to have been involved in every officer involved shooting of somebody that had a gun, they'd probably have a cemetery put in my honor. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Because that's how serious it is. When you're out there in the game, you have to understand the rules of the street because they're different from the rules back in at the park, back in home. You know what I mean? This is there's no there's no rules. That's the rules. There's that's no the rules. rule. There's no rules. Yo, there's no what rules. do you think of what? Go ahead. So yeah, so in keeping that in mind, I mean, you know, like when you're going out there, man, it's just you, your partner, maybe sometimes just yourself. And you better pray to God when you get on that radio and you're calling for backup, somebody comes. I mean, like one of my one of my shootouts uh, that I got in, I was running gun battle with my with one of my partners. We interrupted a robbery during the San Francisco Giants game. Mm-hmm. And Dude shoots, you know, he robs this chick. Guy comes out from the car. Hey, what's going on? Dude comes up, boom! Dude drops on the ground. We're, we're up top on a hill looking down the surveillance. I'm like, oh shit, this going down. You know, I I roll high. You know what I'm saying? You you got to be ahead of the game. You know, you can't. You know, you're gonna have the thing in your holster and you're gonna be driving around. No man, those two seconds for you to come down, snap, snap, pull it out. That's your life. Right. You gotta be. You gotta be down and ready to roll. I'm rolling. You know, I'm hitting the street, going down. He's gonna chase the cat down. And the boy starts ripping off his mask. I'm like, oh shit, we just arrested this kid, this gangbanger, the last week for dope. He okay. sees up, he lets a round off at the car. We spin out a little J turn. He, he dips around the corner, getaway car's waiting. So, and this is traffic going to the game. So you can imagine going to like a Dodgers game, and it's just full. Gridlock, so we said, man. So we, I said, you know what? I'm gonna hit, I'm gonna tip the car, I'm gonna jump out, kind of like a movie, I guess, jump out and just engage. Yeah. Never happens, right? So I come out, we go to just about to come out, they pop out the ride, both windows. I mean, outside, driver's side, bomb, 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 bomb. They're, they're fires. I come, I shoot out the car, left hand, limp wrist, of course, jams. I turn the top rack, come back up, we start firing, pop, 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 pop. And then the car drives away. Huh. Like, what? You know what I mean? It's like, like, we got to keep going. <laughs> I said, fuck it, get in the car, man, let's go. Ah, we yeah. started, and my partner's, ah, let him go, let him go, we're going to catch him later. Nah, this dude's going to kill somebody again. Again, and it ain't going yeah. to be on our watch. They, yeah, man. So we fly down the street, you know, right turn, right turn, right turn. Next thing we're driving straight into the project. It's called, it's called Double Rock Dodge City, man. It's like one way in, one way out. And the other way, if you're coming out, it's probably in a, in a body bag, right? So yeah, we're going man. inside here. We come in, turn, turn, turn. We're going to dead end. They jump out the station wagon. Car's still moving. Okay. So as soon as they start coming, I come up. First oh, cat, I see the dude, the, the driver, he's wanted for murder, right? From another, we recognize. I said, pop, 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 two times in the vest, and he keeps going. He, he just disappears. Well, he's wearing project. armor. He's wearing armor, right? Okay. So then the other cats are running around. So I pop out the second, the second handgun, and did like one of you know, like the, you know, like a skeet, I guess you want to call it. Yeah, like, yeah, kind, yeah. Of, kind of ran with him, and pow, you know. And then boom, he drops down. We go to get him, you know, hold him down, and then about hundred plus people start coming out of the project. All the, all the crazy folks, you know, you can see guns, you hear the shotgun going. I'm like, get back, get back. I'm like two guns up in the air and stuff. My partner, he's a big brother, man. He's 
uh, black and Filipino, man. He used to play for the Bengals and stuff, right? Okay, so I'm trying to hide behind him and stuff, you know what I mean? Kind of <laughs> like your side, right? I, if he was with me, I'd probably be hiding behind you. So <laughs> we're trying to get through, and we're calling for backup. This is the point I'm making about backup. The backup was just like right around the corner, but nobody knows where the hell we are. Because we're right. doing a buy. We're doing a controlled narcotic buys. They yeah. finally come. Cavalry finally arrives two minutes later, which felt like an hour. And they turn they start it coming. Yeah, they're trying to grab it. They're trying to lynch the guy. My, my, my partner just throwing dudes off, man, like rag dolls. We finally drag him back to the car. Units come. We secure the area. And then we get back. You know, we get back to the, get back to the office. They uh, brought the dude to the hospital. He survived, though, that one guy. We ended up catching a guy with the body armor. Uh, he had dents up in his ribs and stuff. We caught him, like, maybe a week later. But the other dude, um, he ended up doing, like, almost 20 years. I think he just got out, actually, wow. about uh, two, two years ago face a little deformed and stuff. So I don't think he's too happy, but- um, That's the game. That's the game, man. You know what I mean? Wow. But, you know, wow. so in, in getting back to it is that, you know, you never know. I mean, I was like literally half asleep before the yeah. thing went down, you know what I mean? Cause I was resting. So I worked the night before I was doing protection for the UN 50. That's uh, Madam Albright, a bunch of dignitaries came to San Francisco for the 50th anniversary of the signing of the, the UN 50, uh, whatever, the pact, you know what I mean? Okay. So. I was doing dignitary protection during the day or the yeah. night. And then this was an overtime gig. So I was like, okay, I'll make some money. So I came to do that gig and boom, that thing just jumps off. I and mean, you just never know, wow. you know, yeah, but it was crazy because, you know, they try to determine is that one shooting or two? Well, right. it's actually two because you started one way and you went all the way around, you know, the area to another location and then you engaged a, a second time. You know what I mean? Wow, man. But, but you, but you just never know. But the, the, the irony of the whole situation is right after the shooting, some of the crackheads from the corner came to the scene and started picking up shell casings. So what happened was when, when, when the crime, when our forensic uh, crime scene came, they're like, where are all the bullets? They ended up people reporting the shooting, but they couldn't find shell casings. You know, it, it, was, it was really bizarre. It's like but a whole other ecosystem, man. It's I, like in the jungle where like an animal poops and then the other animals come and eat it. Like and some I, decomposes. You know, like it's just, everything's just happening all around you. So some of these cats, I heard some of these cats are keeping them like souvenirs and stuff, you know, little shell casings and, you know, but when you look at the car, when we got the car, the car had bullet holes and headrest from when we were shooting it, you know, it was, it was just really, really crazy looking scene. Yeah, man. Wow. But it was only by the grace of God that, I mean, the bullets were just coming and just dropping in front of us, man. It was like, we were like literally like 20, like a car length from each other and the bullets are just going, man. It's not like everybody, that. they shouldn't have missed us distance, man. No, absolutely not, man. It was like, you know, you were you DOA, you know what I mean? Yeah, man. Type of thing. But it's by the grace of God that protected us during that situation. I wasn't even wearing the vest. My partner wow. wasn't even wearing the vest. Man, you know? the naked. But then if you come, if you go out wearing the arm of God every day. Yeah. You know, That's all you know. That that is that that makes a difference, man. That's the right? reason I'm here. They all absolutely Ephesians 611, brother. You know? Yeah, so man. anyway, so I'm sorry. So I got no, sidetracked. I love it. So, I love so it. going past that, as you know, and, and that's our you're at that stage, we're talking, that's about 10 years. I mean, that was one of a, a few shootings. But mm-hmm. when um when that came down after that 95 arena, then we right after that, we were thrusted into a uh, just a homicide unit, plain clothes. All we did was just go after murderers for almost two years. So we tracked them. We had basically was 33 unsolved homicides in San Francisco, black on black. Homicides. Well, in San Francisco at the time, that's just a misdemeanor murder. Brother killing brother is misdemeanor. It's not no felony. Misdemeanor murder. Right? Nobody 
<laughs> Nobody cares, right? right? So it's like a band-aid effect, you know. Ah, oh, yeah, okay, brother got smoked, whatever. So yeah. we're pissed off. What happened was uh, another individual, I think it was a uh, white soccer mom got injured. Somebody got injured outside of the ghetto, and okay. so it brought it brought attention. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So it's like in San Francisco, okay, just a tourist attraction city. You know, we need to fix it up. And the de- the mayor at the time, Willie Brown, uh, he don't play. He was okay. like, okay, let's fix this now. Put together okay. a unit, took the two top African American uh, homicide guys. You know, they contacted me and said, I put together the guys that I work with, and then boom, we just went out there. There's 33 unsolved homicides. We solved them all. We arrested 28 dudes and another uh, 28. We actually arrested 36 homicides. I think it was 35, 36 homicide guys. The 33 were solved. 28 guys we arrested, but the other five was already in jail and dead and or in jail. You know okay. what I mean? But then plus that, you know, I think in that two two year period took about 800 guns off the street, another, you know, thousand plus, you know, felons. It, I mean, it was crazy. We was, we was knocking them down. Dude, know, you, I listen to these stories and, you know, me being a fan of training day, <laughs> it's like, I just see scenes, you know, when he's like, you know, like when they're in the car and officer Hoyt's like, this isn't justice. And he's like, they make, he's like, I've done this many hours of incarcerated man hours. They make, they make graveyards because of me. He's like, that, right. man, I just can see your, your influence, right. man. Right. Well, you know, I did a little story on that. So what happens is right around that time, my partner, and my team, we was, we was rocking and rolling. We was really knocking them dead. Yeah. And what happens is that the, uh, we get a call. One of my, one of my lieutenants, he was in charge. He just happened to be in charge of the movie details. So he was in charge of setting up the, uh, the permit so people can film in San Francisco, you know, to get yeah. all this little landmark, Golden Gate Bridge, whatever the case may be. So he calls me and says, hey, Paul, um, you know, I got a couple friends from uh, Los Angeles. They're journalists, man. I want them to ride with you. And we're like, man, we're working this high profile unit. I ain't trying to get no newspaper in my car, right? Yeah. Guy. So anyways, boom. We go talk, talk to the guy. He says, we're going to give you overtime. And I tell my partner he's reluctant. Eventually, he says, okay, okay, because we want to get that overtime, right? So right, we're going right, to meet right. these two dudes, older white dudes and stuff. And uh, I pull up, and uh, we had a, Cadillac, had a black Cadillac. I pulled up. I see these two dudes. They're oh, kind of old, man. I'm like, uh, you guys got bulletproof vests? And he goes, why? I go, because we're, we're going to take you. You're going to need them vests. <laughs> uh, you, know, well, you know, so I said, pop the trunk, gave vest, gave the vest, boom. So we started rolling. We started to go through the tenderloin, which is like one of the nastiest parts of San Francisco. It's like any yeah, tenderloin. I mean, you hear that. It's just a crazy name itself, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, you think it's steak, but it's not. So yeah. what happens is uh, it's like a melting pot from all the crooks in the Bay Area, man. From Sacramento, Oakland, every thug you can imagine, you gang, all go there. And that's like just little corners, pockets where they all deal their drugs and stuff. You know, yeah. It's just, just pathetic, but profitable. So yeah, as we start, yeah, so we start rolling, right? We start rolling, but then five minutes, boom, we see it. We armed you a kidnap, an armed kidnap uh right in front of us. So I'm like, oh man, I stopped the car. We look and do get in the car, get in the car. And we see he's doing that. So I get in the radio, he gets in the radio, I said, hey, headquarters man, we need some we need some units. Send us some plain closings. We got to see what these guys are gonna roll. They're sending out units. We make a right turn, a right turn, a right turn. The third right turn, you know, they know we're the police. It doesn't matter oh, yeah, what part sure. you got, right? So they look at us, we look at them, it's boom, awesome. get on the bridge, man. Favorite, oh. boom, they're flying, man. It's, you know, stuff starts, you know, whirling out the cars and stuff, you know what I mean? But I ain't yeah. tripping on the dudes in the back seat, you know what I mean? It's like, we forgot. So I'm calling for headquarters to get us a CHP, get us Oakland PD, because we're going across, we look like, I'm pretty positive we're going to Oakland. 
Sure enough, we get to we get to these uh, this area called like Acorn Projects in Oakland. It's like West Oakland. We start to roll down. Car crashes. Dudes get out the car. Bail start running. We chase him down. Snatch him up. Get the victim. We come back, and then the two dudes that were standing were with us. The guy goes, "Man, this chase was better than Bullet." I'm like, "What do you know about Bullet?" That was my favorite movie with Steve McQueen. He goes, oh, "I was part of that. I was part of writing it." And I got that you're a journalist. He goes, "Nah." He goes, I'm, "Well, yes, but I'm a screenwriter." I go, "Okay." He goes, "We're in Hollywood." I go, oh, that's cool. So yeah. he goes, you want dinner? And we go, yeah, yeah, let's get the car. So like, the tow truck, we go to our car. It doesn't start. So I tell the tow truck driver, drop that, take our car. We'll drive. We'll go into the stolen car. So we hotwire the stolen car, get back in, drive back to the city, have a real These people good- that are in your car are like, like, like the screenwriters yeah. are just like, where am I right now? It's right? Twilight it's all, it's a, yeah, Twilight Zone. So we boom, we go there. We get a nice meal with these dudes, you know, bullshit, whatnot. Yeah. And then nice to meet you guys. They take off. Well, about maybe a week, two weeks later, I get called from the lieutenant. He goes, hey, uh, my friends are back here again. We're like, oh, yeah, those are Hollywood dudes. We come. So we come back in to go meet these dudes. And next thing you know, the one dude, and he says, hey, I'm, you know, I'm uh, Paul Neal. Hey, and this other guy named Jerry. I'm like, Bruckheimer. I'm like, Jerry Bruckheimer. I know who he was. You know, the next thing you know, we're talking, you know, we, we're interested in purchasing the rights to your life story. Big check is a contract. You know, you can have your lawyer look at I'm like, <laughs> I'm your lawyer. I want that check, right? Yeah, so yeah. we get big old check, get some loot, and then we're on, we're off and running. Now we got ourselves a movie contract, man. They're securing the rights to our life story. This is 95, 96. So now they sent up a screenwriter, this cat, Larry Golan. And this guy, he's done a bunch of movies. His brother was involved in a bunch of movies too. Mm-hmm. Um, and he became actually later my, my sensei of screenwriting. So as we start working on scripts, they're taking, you know, every year they, they give an option, they pay another 10 G's if they don't make your movie. Well, five years later, now we got about, you know, whatever, buck 50, and it, but, but the movie's not major, so I'm going to backtrack. So now we're getting this check. But we're starting to see all our elements of what the screenplay we write in Bad Boys 1, Enemy of the State. I'm like, you're stealing our material. I mean, yeah. this is worse than the streets, man. In Hollywood, there's some real gangsters. There's some real gangsters. There's some real gangsters, man. They got and 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 their weapon of choice is the computer. Yeah, man. The pen, man. Hey, so, you know, yeah, right. So they start taking us to the bank, like right. So I said, no, no. So I get an attorney. I get an agent. We start to renegotiate the contracts. I want to get out. So a few years later, this is I say about ninety-nine ish. Next thing you know. Their lawyer comes back with saying, here, you know what, page 269, paragraph six, line four says, we're going to give you a hundred grand. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. You know, and no more. So now look, you know what I mean? They got our, they got our, our screenplays, plays, yeah. screenplays, put it on a shelf. Now ain't nobody dealing with it. So now we're sitting like, you know, like sitting ducks, nothing going on. Yeah. So my partner shoots me a call who I was helping before with some other stuff, Antoine Fuqua, and he's, he's the godfather of my Night, you know. He says, hey, Paul, man, I'm working on a, uh, um, uh, we plan on working on a, uh, a screenplay called Training Day. Yeah. And I go, okay. Yeah, I go, send me the script. So he sends me the script. He goes, Denzel wants to work with you, blah, blah, blah. So I look at the script, and it's, it's all right. You know, I mean, it was about a dirty cop down in L.A. He's named Raphael Perez, you know, part of the crash unit. You know, it was really weird because our unit was plain clothes. We are called Crush. Down in LA, they're in uniform. Well, there were jeans and like a windbreaker. They called them crash. Yeah, they were kind of gangbanger-ish. We were just doing homicide. A little different flavor. Right. But right. still, they did. They they did some good work. They did their things, of course. But some other shit went sour. But right. for the most part, you know, his what he was doing was funky. Right. So right. 
the movie was supposed to be about his about his exploits, but the cat didn't really have any swag. He was yeah. one of those, you know, he spoke with, you know, you got a problem, right? He had a little Puerto Rican Cuban accent, you know. Mm-hmm. So but that's about it. They didn't, they, they didn't want right, right. That's about it. You know, you you put, you know, you uh, pushing down drug dealers, stealing, stealing their stash and stuff. I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, how tough can you be? Right. Right. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you 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 know you you shoot down an unarmed dude or whatever the case yeah, may be. I mean, I, I don't know, it doesn't take a lot of balls to to shoot a homeless dude. You know what I mean? But right. anyways, so so what happens is, uh, we take I take that look at the script and I punch it up a little bit and end up getting with Denzel. And, you know, they, they like my, my swag and, you know, my, my get out, my dress, the whole nine yards. So I worked with them doing a bunch of things for the uh, revamping the, the screenplay. And then we was, we was off and running. You know what I mean? So I told Denzel, I said, look, you use my host. I'm give my host is my lucky hosters. I'm going to guarantee to give you an Academy Award. Get you Academy Award with these Get hosts. you Academy Award. <laughs> he gave me this badass, big old rock of a ring. Like, thank you very much. You know, nice. type of thing. You know, so it worked out, worked out real good. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, you know, it was real, real good working. You know, we was we were doing dealing with all the gangbangers, some of the other guys and the informants that we had and stuff. We made a phone call. Hey, look, get us in the project. We talked to the head bangers and she said, hey, look, we'll, we'll use your folks in the movie, you know, tighten up. Boom. They get taken care of. And then we we, we had free reign. You know, yeah. so that's why you see the legitimacy and the, the authentic individuals that were inside the movie, because we were able to uh, with Antoine parlay. The screen, I mean, the screenplay, the actual making of the movie, so it was as real as can be. As authentic, like the real hood with real Exactly, players, exactly. Real you know, because like, I think Macy Gray got a little upset when I had the ground, I grabbed her hair and I pulled it down on the ground because I was trying to demonstrate to Denzel how you, you know, you got to bring a bring cat down to the ground. I just didn't know it was going to be a woman inside. I mean, I thought Macy was a dude at first. <laughs> I knew a dude named Macy. I didn't know it was Macy Gray. You know, I mean, Macy Gray. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, boom, she's going to the ground, you know. And then the thing, you remember when he goes to the house, he uses he uses the Chinese, like, menu to get in and search one, search one, you know. Yeah. So, it was crazy. It was crazy, man. So, and then, like, at the this scene, we used that one scene, right? When you see when he pops up the car, he comes out with the two guns. Da, 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 yeah, da. man. So, so what he did was because it was a it was a play on that one shooting that I got in because I had the two guns I was you know you know going off like that. Yeah. The problem was though they couldn't get the prop master couldn't get the six hours like here two twenties uh two uh six two twenty they couldn't find them so they had to go with the Smith forty five ten yeah you know what I mean and you know those are like those are like you can use those for like you know like a hammer or something you know what I mean? <laughs> not my favorite they had gun the effect you know like they had the big you know chromed out effect. Huh. Back in the day, I mean, I learned from this one dude because I, I was always into shooting, right? So yeah. I would train with different guys, you know, because I wanted to, you're always going to be a student. This is what people don't realize. No matter how good you are in whatever discipline, knife fighting, gun fighting, whatever it is, you have to have, you have to allow yourself to be open to absorb other training. Because it just, it just, it accentuates what you already have, your right. current abilities. But some guys close themselves off from that. And they yeah. don't want to, like, my stuff the best. I just don't want to go, blah, blah, blah. So I learned from a real good, a gunfighter, a real gunfighter, not this pretend stuff, a real gunfighter. Yeah, yeah. And he told me, I mean, he'd come up and he would shoot tight and he'd come at, at an angle. So he was camped. I was like, well, and then, so when I would shoot, I would derange, I'm shooting. Yeah. And then I'm derange. I thought, what are you doing? You think you're, you know, you're a gang banger. You think you're on the block right now? <laughs> yeah, you're on the block. You know, I'm like, well, I'm talking about. Well, because I'm shooting a 45. I mean, the, the recoil on the thing, it's, from here to here, from the shooting, it's quicker. From here to here, it's a little different, but it's right. here to here. So right. I'm saying, so I was more, on, I was faster on target and yeah. more precise and surgical with my shooting from a close, 
position verse, you know, from epigee from an extended, extended verse, you know what I mean? So a lot 100%. of times they turn around and say, oh, you can't, da, da, da. But then now it's back in the early 90s, 80s. Now it's like accepted. You see cats, they're taking an M4, they're tilting it because you're getting quicker, quicker on target, you know, acquisition of the target, delivering their shots down range, and then moving to the next position. 100%. Like you were talking about the car system the other day, man. Right. For Absolutely. Me, I remember like at first, well, one, hashtag John Wick, y'all. Uh, two, yeah. I was sitting there uh, doing some airsoft with one of the homies. He invited me to his birthday. He's like, oh, we're going to do some airsoft. And I'm like, eh, whatever, man. Like, airsoft ain't the real thing. You know, like shooters, range dudes always look down on airsoft dudes. So I was like, man, airsoft, whatever. So I go in there and it was like legit. Like, it was like really good training. I was getting gunfights like all day long with a bunch <laughs> of fast little kids. Like, it was, it was legit. And I did good, man. Um, but we, I realized, I kept noticing that when I was under stress and I'm, I mean, gunfighting is my martial art, right? So I kept realizing when I was under stress, I was pulling my weapon in really close and I was pying things off and I was keeping it real close to my face to have a smaller signature. And I was blasting fools like this a lot. And I was working in close like this. So then I started kind of thinking like, how come I'm working in close like this? Cause obviously to my subconscious, which is overriding a lot of my training right now, why am I behaving like this under stress? And I started to look into it. Then I find the car system. And I went and did some training with uh, Jeff. Uh, oh, his last name's not coming with me, but he's the SAS cat. And man, I can't wait to drop this tactical review I did on that system. It is amazing. Being able to shoot with your off, your, your, your non-dominant. non-dominant eye and being able to go all the way around yourself and still engage targets in 360 degrees, learn how to shoot inside close like this, like man took everything to the next game. And then when I, when I, when I marry that with what I learned from Craig Douglas about car fighting and gun fighting inside of a vehicle and understanding how to do that, man, it takes everything to the next level. Like your, 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 your conventional handgun skills that's cool get a base understand your fundamentals but when you really want to start cooking with tartar sauce and being able to do some things uh that are dynamic and quick and give you options this is the type of stuff man that takes you to the next level for sure man what you're talking about right now well you know it's it's just amazing with what you're doing with your protector nation and how and supposing how you put everything together i mean in my limited amount of years that i've been involved 37 plus I have yet to see what or anybody has done with what you've done. So when I was introduced to you and the stuff that you're doing, I mean, it's like, I was like, wow, this is phenomenal, man. I mean, what you got going is so important to keep people, you know, to put to bring the situational awareness up a notch and to make them dangerous enough to deal with the dangerous people. And I think that's a, a, that's a big bonus plus in this society, which is lacking because, you know, people, I mean, you know, I mean, these kids train all day doing Call of Duty, whatever, you know, the little video games, shooting games, shooting games all day long. So they have a little bit of a grasp of on tactics, of, on tactics, a little bit of a grasp. And, and that's that would give them a little bit of an edge in the mm-hmm. sense that because they're just, oh, you know, they're going to, you know, they're, they're used to doing it all day. Okay, so in an all-shape ambush, they'll right. move on you. Like, <laughs> it's not. Exactly. You know? I mean, you know, nobody's going nobody's gonna to want to be a standing target. And you got to be right. able to move and groove. Otherwise, if you're, if you're stagnant and you stay in the same position, you might as well just put the bullseye on your head because that's how you're going to get life. hit, you know? No, I and, dig um, it, man. That's good. Thank you. I appreciate that, man. It, it honestly, it's become my purpose, man. Making, multiplying the skills that I've learned while protecting the 1% of the 1%. 
and getting those skills into the hands of professional protectors, first responders and civilians. That's that's where the white blood cells in, in humanity, man. That's what we're here doing, you know. And, and, you know Go ahead. I was going to tell you, absolutely. And what you're doing, I think, is very necessary for the the first responders, be it the police, you know, uh, sheriffs or whatnot that are out there because you, they, they can't, and I'm sure too, in all your training, you have those guys coming to your classes as well, but you're oh, yeah. having those, the one percenters that are coming over, seeking out the training on their own versus having the department pay for them to have that extra training or that specialized training because yeah. they're limited in their capabilities. I mean, they're already given a handicap once they graduate from the academy. Right. You know what I mean? So that's the biggest problem. And it's, to be able to uh, engage and to introduce those concepts to these young officers that are now coming on the street is going to make them a lot safer and society a lot safer in the future. Because what, what you're doing is, you know, you can de-escalate all you want, because that's what they want. But it's like it's, you, you start putting handcuffs on the cops and you're all using your voice, which is good to an extent. But you need to understand what that next level is. And if you don't have the, uh, the I don't say that, uh, that criminal instinct or that, or that innate uh, uh, ability to see what's really going on, man, you're going to be slipping. And that's how these cops, these cops get caught slipping, you know, yep. believing, believing that because they got the suit on, you know, the badge of gun that they're impervious to death. Yeah, that's man. not the case, man. And it's, you know, you have to be tactically aware of the situation at hand, you know, 100%. otherwise you'd be a casualty, man. Absolutely. What do, you, what do you say about uh, that saying in the movie? It takes a wolf to catch a wolf. It does. absolutely man you know and and the fact of the matter is like we say like i like i said you know this this is chess this ain't checkers you can't go here play around you know you play around you're gonna lay around you're gonna you know (laughs) that's 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 the way it goes man and you know and i remember uh one of my mentors in the game he taught me basically that if you can't you don't get them in the wash you get them in the rinse if you can't deal with that situation you know you're gonna get them but you have to be using your mind, you know, the strategy, you know what I mean? And like I said, the same thing, I go back to arm of God. you got to have that extra protection, man, because, right. you know, people in Oz, you know, not whether they're religious or not, but it's the reality. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're, we're dealing right now with the unseen forces of darkness, man. And it's yeah. a light right now. Right and now. You have to have so man. strong right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. your face you right now. Absolutely. And you have to, uh, Prepare yourself to deal with that situation. You can't just do it from, you know, working out all day, you know, just yeah. at shooting range and all that kind of good stuff. I mean, all those are elements that you need to put into your, your arsenal of right. weaponry. You know what I mean? But you have to, like, we, like you and I agree upon mind, body, and spirit. Right. And, you know, the thing is, like, I'll go back to the book. So after I finished, you know, I started my career. I mean, I got to, I mean, I was very blessed and fortunate to do what I did. I was the most decorated cop in San Francisco, let alone maybe in California itself. I mean, I got, it looked like Vietnam if you saw the medal, but it wasn't so much of the accolades that came with that. It was to me, you know, serving God in that capacity. But, you know, I'm human, you know, and the fact of the matter is, you know, I felt I I became a target. I became a uh, issue to the the administration. So they looked at me as as, now I'm reckless. They used me to do all the dirt and I'm, I'm dispensable. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah ball guy using you know so it became that situation and doing movies and all that stuff you know i became i was already an outsider to begin with and like how can this guy this cat i didn't grow up in the catholic schools i didn't grow up from their hood now i'm an outsider and i came in and took it to a whole nother level so i became that problem 
target, right? And then my boy, my one of my partners was murdered with an AK-47, man. And wow. the fact of the matter is, is that you know he was he was tactically sound, but yeah. you know you can only do so much. You got a guy with an AK-47 in his hand with the mindset that he's going to kill you, right? You know what I'm saying so. The, the guy was going to kill somebody that night, and just happened to be my, one of my partners. And as a result of, yeah, thank you. But as a result of that, I started to see, because I had a, an opportunity, it's in my book, I talk about it. The year before, I had the AK-47, the whole cachet that was you know, sold to these gangbangers and they were going to use it to fight another gang. But the, the, the issue was is that I took off one, I was going for the whole dozen, but the administration wanted to suppress me and hold me down because they were trying to build up a bunch of bullshit you know, to say, oh, yeah, Lazada's doing this, that, you know, some kind of shit. But as a result of it, you got casualties of our own. And then when I was at the funeral and I'm seeing these same jokers that was who created the situation, we're all crying, fake crying and acting like, you know, and I looked at that. And it just left such a bad taste in my mouth, man. It's like, you know, do I want to be a part of this organization? Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like it just wasn't fitting. Yeah. So anyway, they end up just bouncing, you know what I mean? And then, you know, then I went hooked up to some Blackwater stuff for a little bit, a few months, get some cash, uh, some mm-hmm. training. And then, but I love being a cop, you know what I mean? Yeah. I ended up coming back in with an agency up in Sacramento. I did that for the next 10 years and hooked up with another agency in South Bay. Same thing. And finally retired out in uh, last October of 2020 after 37 years. Wow. So I, you know, it's all it's all chron- it's all chronicled inside of my book. And it talks about it. You know, I just basically they had they had their story. I got my truth, and you know, the, and it's just the trials and tribulations of being an undercover cop. And as you mentioned earlier, my you know, my star was one eight seven, which is California Penal Code for murder. So you know, so it had a little little extra persona, extra sting on it, a little extra stank on it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so the crooks, they'd be looking at my star when I pulled out of my, when I pulled my star out of my, my jacket, you know, they're too busy staring at the numbers and stuff, you know, then before they know it, they're like in handcuffs. Okay. <laughs> Worked out pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure they were like, what kind of Twilight Zone? I got Officer 18. What's your badge number? 187. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> right. but, but, you know, but with that, though, came a lot of notoriety in the sense that the defense attorneys, they try to twist it. Oh, you got that bad number because you want to go around killing people, yeah. you know, stuff like that. But, you know, it's, it's, it was just a, it was a star number that I got because my yeah. nephew, who is still in the department now, he wanted my star number, which had a lower number. It was like 389. He had like 4,000 something or another. And, you know, in the departments, you want to have a smaller number because it kind of like showed that you have more seniority. Yeah. And so he got that. I got the 187. And then, you know, the rest is history. Dang, that's wild, man. See, and that that dude, you got so much experience, you know, between the streets. And I know that's only like a, a, a snapshot of the stories that you the things you've survived and made happen in, in our communities. And then, you know, with the movies, you know, like with Tears of the Sun and Equalizer. Yeah, Tears and, of the Sun was a good one, man. We did that we did in Hawaii and um, we had a bunch of real Africans fly over to Hawaii so we can film it because we wanted to make it very authentic. And then we had one, it was a little crazy, man. This one guy, we call him the alligator, man. He had no legs. So he kind of crawled around the set, right? He had no leg. And then my boy Antoine and Bruce Willis, they yeah. chipped in the money, like 50 Gs, and bought him a n- new leg. Wow. Nobody crazy, knows man. that. Nobody knows that. But, you know, it was, it was, pretty, it was pretty wild, you know? That's you know? And then they had, they had, you know, Navy SEAL guys they're training to uh, part of the consultant group. Yeah. You know? It was it was pretty fun, but it was like I said, we was up in the jungles of Hawaii, but the yeah. mosquitoes 
still were that dang big. Yeah, yeah, they, they, dope, they will kidnap you. The mosquitoes. Yeah, yeah, man. Take Hold you hostage. Stuff. They had one mosquito had a trench coat on and stuff. Get <laughs> me out, man. Yeah, man, that's how they roll. What about what about uh, Man of Fire, man? What was that one like? Man, man of Fire, uh, Man of Fire. It was it was it was well protector. It's a protector, dignity protection. You know, I did a lot of um in in that one. I did a lot of the uh, like the, he used my line Romans twelve twenty one. Do not be overcome evil, but overcome evil. Overcome evil good. good. I almost posted yeah. that scene this morning, man. Right, that's a good one. That's a good one. You know, and then I think Max. That was like one of my favorite movies because it had to me it had a lot of substance, man. You know yeah. What I mean? And all training did training day did as well. But to see a lot of people, I'm gonna jump back to training days. A lot of people yeah, don't man. understand, they're like, you know, training day is about a dirty cop, which it was. But it was a bigger concept. And I would tell this to Antoine, and he uses this in a lot of his movies. Yeah, and I said, you know what, you have the you're blessed, Antoine, with the ability to use this type of media yeah. to reach out to millions of people and talk about God. Yeah. And in that movie, what the moral to that story is, is that the wages of sin equal death. If you can stand here, you can be the top of the game as the policeman or whatever kid. If you're dirty, man, you're going to go down. Yeah. You know, God don't like ugly. That's what happened, man. So, yeah, you know, my grandma used to say that. Right. So, I mean, you know, that's that, you know, that concept. And like in all the other movies, it's, it's, it's the same, same thing and, and that we work and develop it like with Man of Fire. He didn't direct that one. I think that was Scott. Uh, yeah. Tony Scott or really Scott. But that's what, and Denzel, he's a very, very strong Christian brother. And he loves the movies with that type of uh, meaning, meaningful objectives. You know what I mean? Yeah. The same thing in uh, Magnificent Seven, Equalizers, and all that stuff. So, but man, yeah. That's huge, man. I love that. I love it. I love it. That's good stuff. And I mean, an hour is not enough to dig into all the stuff that you have to offer, you know, uh, from your street experience uh, and from your from your protector experience, your your, your experience, even on set. But real quick, just everyone, just so they get a real good understanding of what your book is about. You know, what's the okay. premise? What's that? Okay, well, the, the, my book's about, you know, my trials and tribulations of an undercover cop. And, and, you know, in coming from my world, you know, into this police world was, you know, uh, a transition that, how you say, uh, is like no other. You know what I mean? And But coming into the world and into this police type of activity... And seeing the injustices, the corruption, the, uh, you know, officers that are involved in doing whatever they do and just people in general, it's like it, it was just a whole mind, I don't want to say mind fuck, but it was like it took me to a whole nother level, you know, and right. to me, it was a matter of telling, like I said, my truth to what had went down. And it was, it was therapeutic as well, you know what I'm saying, being able oh, to yeah. put it down on paper of what actually took place. I mean, I didn't get to touch. I mean, I made over 20,000 felony arrests as a cop, okay? Wow. 20,000 is a lot. I mean, you're talking, I mean, not counting murderers. and <laughs> They make whole entire prisons because of me. <laughs> right, exactly. So, you know what I'm saying? So, but, you know, it's it's a matter of the lives that I touched during that time period. You know, when I was undercover with the mob, I was, you know, I was doing uh, guns with you know, all the different gangs. I mean, I was like so deep in yeah. doing stuff. I mean, it was, just, it was just a whole nother world. Death threats, I mean, I've had like, no, no less than 40 death threats. I mean, I've had attempts on my life, my family, my kids, my kids a cop. You know, he's been there for the last 15 years, man. I pray every day for him. So he works fugitives. He's out on the street hunting guys down. I'm like, I mean, I'm like, son, you know, I got a dad, you know. But again, like I was trained when he was a kid. I, he was six years old. I had him at the range shooting. You know yeah. what I mean? I brought him with me down to Blackwater for training. And, you know, so awesome. I know I feel and he's and he's a man of God. 
So yeah. I know he's protected and he's going to be excel in his yeah. field of work. But I still, you know, part of it, I can't tell him. I'm like, hey, I, I want him to just get the desk job, be in, and not worry about stuff no more. But, you know, he's he's, he's a junior, Paul Jr. So he's following Pop's footsteps, man. And he's, you know, he's in it to win it. Yeah. Right? But so as long as you keep God first, you can't lose. You know, yeah, so yeah. with the with the book, I mean, I just I touch upon that, the corruption and, yeah. you know, just basically, you know, letting those who read it that, you know, if you keep God in your life and everything that you do, you're going to you're going to you're going to win whatever it is. It doesn't have to be a policeman. It doesn't have to be a protector. It doesn't have to be, you know, a, a bus driver, right. whatever the case may be. You know what I mean? Because then you, you're grounded. Yep. You know? But the one thing and in my next book that's coming out, it, it talks about like the situational awareness to be able to take it to that next level because these are the tools now that we need as a society to be able to keep our children, grandchildren safe for the future. And if we lose it, that's it. So we gotta you got we gotta keep it, you know, keep it tight. hundred percent What would you say real quick? I've I've been curious about undercover work for a while. It's always been something that's really been interesting to me because just living in those two worlds, what would you say that work is like? Well, you know what? It's a, it's, a, it's a whole different mindset, man, because when I was undercover, man, part of it, part of my detail was I worked playing clothes. So I would just roll around like this and I would go after guys and they were like, it was an element of surprise. I'd sneak up on them, roll up in a Camaro, sometimes I use a cab, whatever the case may be, whatever my investigation would have entailed, you know, but it was an, an undercover playing close capacity. But yeah. then I worked undercover in which I would just like go deep. I would go into the you know Asian crime world. You know, I'm, I'm a pimp you know i'm working with trying to do human trafficking thing you know i'm selling guns doing a reverse deal with guns selling stolen uh stolen equipment at ms-13 because they want to buy the guns and just be able to get in russian mobs selling diamonds and i mean you name it i went after them you know what i mean and but it's that it's understanding like some people would say how could you play the role for each you know because you have a very distinctive look but how could you play you know get into the get into the, with, with some bikers. How could you go with the Mexicans and the Chinese? And because of my martial arts, I was able to just, you know, I know a person who knows a person, you know, drop a name, talk about something. So I would study my targets in advance. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just like, like, in, like in dignity protection, you got to know who you're dealing with. Your, your, your advance work. Your advance, exactly. You got to know everything and everything. So basically yeah. by knowing that, so I'm already going into the situation with the, uh, pre-notion of what's to take place. So I'll talk about, yeah, you know, like the, I know the guy into Rolexes and stuff. I'll come down to Rolex. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you like my shit? I know a cat that's got, you know, so I start to engage with them. Uh, it's like a confidence game. Like I guess a hustler, right? Get in there, work them and stuff so that they, you know, we become friends or whatnot. So then I can infiltrate their world. Wow. You see what I'm saying? But the problem is sometimes, man, you know, you get to liking some of these cats, man. And I was like, yeah, and I was like, hey, you know, the guys, invite, the guys invite me over for, you know, to come to their, their daughter's wedding or, or whatever. Yeah. Case. I can't make it. You know, it's just so many different situations that you're thrust into. You've got to be quick on your feet, man, to be able to get in and out. You know what I mean? And you can't. I think part of the problem is with the administration is they think that you're going to buy into it and you're going to become the very same, same people that you're trying to put away in jail. Wow. But they, but you know, but it's a matter of being able to distinguish that world and your world. Yeah. You know? And then, and then part of it is by having God in your life, you're going to be able to know the good and the bad. That you can't yeah. distinguish right from wrong. You got no, you have no foundation to build what you're working on. Yeah. That's the no. big thing. I mean, you're hitting on some some really serious stuff here, man. Like, um, 
with, I mean, once you have God in your life, you have that guiding light. Like you almost can't, like you, it takes a lot to just ignore a lot of the wrong things for too long. Yeah. I mean, there's always something right. that brings you back and that armor and that protection, you know, cause no matter how bad you are, like you, you really can't protect yourself. Like you were like, you know, if you're really in the game game, like there's, right. always, there's always something you get done and you're like, Oh man, like I could have just got smoked. Like there's like right. there's these things that happen when you're like, no matter how bad I am, I couldn't have seen that coming or I, I, I would have got blown up or like that sniper just missed me. Right. I mean, take, I mean, take what, what you what you've experienced in your in your career, in your life. And yeah, really, I mean, the stories you've told me, I mean, that's like some miracles. That's testimonials out yeah. to yin yang, man. I mean, you know, you can't you can't make that up, man. Yeah. And you can't yeah. you can't you can't just put it to you just one lucky rascal. Yeah. You can't be Not lucky that many, that, that many times. <laughs> yeah. Yo, and the, right. And, and then you also have this piece where you're like, like, I am going to do the best I can. But like, I know ultimately, like this money, this social media stuff, my clients, they're not my source of things right. in life, you know, and that's how you stop from being owned by the money or moved by the money. Like, no matter what happens, the only person who's always been with me when I've been naked, when I've been was left in Iraq on a hill, you know, with my squad alone, like the only person who's always been with me, no matter what has been God. And so like, there's this really amazing piece you have to where you can be like, it's his, it's it's kind of his responsibility. Like I'm going to do everything I can, but I know that ultimately I'm in his hands when it's my time, it's my time. And I know where I'm going. And until then I can't die. <laughs> like until then it's, it's is, game time. I'm going right, off. They, <laughs> right. they say you, you better reach out and find God before God reach out and find you. I do. Yo, that's real. That's so real. You know, that's so real, man. That's I good. Keep it, keep it real 99% of the time. You know, <laughs> I love the swag, man. That's what's up. It's refreshing. No, it's good, man. I love it. Uh, what would you say is the hardest lesson you learned on the streets, man, in, in all your time? Um, I don't want to say trust no man, but, uh, you know, basically that, you know, you can, you know, yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't, you think you can trust somebody, but then you can't. You, you only, the only person yeah. you can watch is what person you trust. You trust God's guidance, man, because otherwise, if you put your faith and trusting whoever the case that person may be, good guy, bad guy, man, you're always disappointed. Yeah, yeah. And even I've learned that to be true, even with people I love that mean the best and they're good. The only person that deserves perfect trust is a perfect being, and that's God. Everybody else is going to disappoint you at some point. They're going to fall short because we all fall short. You know, so I, I even the way I, I love people based on the reality of their imperfect or imperfect nature. My imperfect right. nature is that and we all we all are imperfect, man. Exactly, exactly. So like cats, would, cats would tell me, like, oh, now what you a holy roller, you talking like you a Christian. Hey, yeah. I know I'm forgiven. I'm not yeah. saying I'm 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 not saying I don't exactly. curse and all that other good stuff. <laughs> yeah. I and mean, that's just part of my dialogue, I should say. Yeah. But that's I know the real deal and I know what what you know uh, and I know what I deserve and I know I ain't exactly. got it. So I thank God for that. Right. And they say, <laughs> you they say, you say, Hey, you know, you know, you think you're going to go to heaven. I say, yeah, I know I'm going to go to heaven. I'm just not first in line. I'm somewhere way in the back, man. <laughs> I still got stuff to do. <laughs> right. Uh, I love it. Way in the back. What would you say is the, uh, your proudest moment in the field being a protector? Um, I think, you know, being able to, you know, besides saving lives, it was a matter of like taking somebody from just say like the hood, from the ghetto yeah. and being able to show them that, Hey, you can pursue other things in life besides being a drug dealer, gangbanger. Mm. Some of these kids that I've met and dealt with, because I, I used to train martial arts in the ghetto. So I'm okay. the very, very area that I'm patrolling, going after the guys for murder. I will go there on a Saturday and teach a class to their younger brothers. 
<laughs> so you was like that. You know, that little dangerous, living. man. But you know, I had a death wish. Maybe not just kidding. But right. I would do that. But then, and those lives that I've changed, I figure if I can, if 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 anything, during my time as a police officer, for the the few lives that I've changed and allowed them to pursue a career, some of them became a lot of them became cops. Wow. I made a difference in their life, and I achieved my goal. Brought them to God and achieved wow. my goal in doing that. You know what I'm saying? Impact. I say that's probably the most rewarding of it. And all these gold medals and. At the end of the day, those are those are just articles of whatever the case may be. I, I might die. There's no, as they say, there's no uh, armored truck following you in, during a funeral procession. You know what I mean? You can have all the riches of it. You're not gonna you're not gonna die with them. You know what I mean? And the same right. thing with whatever accolades or accomplishments that you may have. But knowing that you were able to help somebody else, take them to another level, help them, you know, from being in the gutter, bringing them out, lifting them up, and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Showing them another another uh, alternative to their lifestyle. That's what the reward was. That's huge. And I miss that the most. I mean, I'm not being able to do that. Put them away. I love that stuff too. I love the number. Don't get me wrong now. I love the adrenaline. Yeah. You know I mean? See, the adrenaline was what was used after getting shot because I walk with a limp, man. I walk with a little limp. People say, oh, I was like, yeah. you think you I a noticed. pimp. You know this, right? You saw me, right? Yeah, oh, I ain't yeah. walking like he a pimp. No, man, my leg hurts, man. I got to drag <laughs> it down the block. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that the adrenaline allowed me to mind over matter the pain because I'm an excruciating pain. This ain't no joke getting shot, having metal in your leg. So to me, the adrenaline allowed me to have that ability to override the pain. And then when I left, the, the, doing what I did uh, after 37 years, that pain kicked in my adrenaline. I had to get my adrenaline from other avenues. Yep. You know what I mean? No, that's the real. If I hear a siren or something goes down, boom, adrenaline kicks in, man. I'm like, whoa. I'm really waiting for the, you know, you know, to get, you know, get in, in, in line, take care of some business. You know what I mean? So I'm like ready to run, okay. ready to roll, you know? No, I feel you, man. That's, that was my, my PTSD for sure was I got out of the Marine Corps and came back from war and I was addicted to dopamine, man. Like I was like, yo, what are we doing tonight? Like, what, what are we up to? And I lived fast for, for probably about five years or so. And I mean, I'm so glad I survived it. I got into drugs. I did all kinds of stuff and I was hard. Like I was, I was just strong so I could handle so much of everything and be functional and like not sleep and go to the gym the next morning. And, and cause God's given me that strength. And I was just always, thank God I didn't buy a motorcycle. And I was just chasing that adrenaline, man, for, for years until I finally was like, what are you, why are you doing this, bro? And I kind of was like, okay. And then I switched up my environment and, and started to try to taper off. And then the key is, and this is what I think a lot of warriors miss, is I still have that. I still have that PTSD, but I deal with it by getting up early in the morning. Every single day of this life for me is a war. I wake up every day. I hit my purpose. I wake up at 4 a.m., early because it hurts and it hurts so good. I go to the gym because it hurts. I work that beast that's inside that will devour me if I don't work him out. I, I work I, that dude out. You know, I, I I continue to be dangerous. I continue to be strong, but I hit my mission like it's a war. If you watch me during the day, I'm on my computer, I'm working, I'm making phone calls, I'm working, and I'm working like we're in Iraq. Like that's because I can't let the grace that's been given me to live again be in vain, you know? So like, I'm in all out, all out combat all day. All, all day, every day. Yeah, man. And that's how I've but been. That, but see, that's, that's your blessing that yeah. you've been given. And, you know, and what you, like what you're doing now is a blessing, man. Being able to reach out to the thousands, hundreds of thousands of people through yeah. what you've developed. I mean, you know, that's, that's the God given gift. He gave you by the grace of God survived what took place yep. and put you in the place that you are now. 
which is allowing you the ability to reach out and teach people about situational awareness to protect yeah. people from all walks of life, yeah. which is very important. So, you know, you, and what you're doing uh, and what you're doing is good, you know, is where you're supposed to be. 100%. No, thank you, man. And for all the warriors listening, the message is find your new fight. Find your new fight. Just because you can't do the cool stuff you used to do, find something now that you can pour yourself into and you can really that you care about that's valuable that you want to contribute to the world and that's going to be an honorable battle and most of it will be against weaker versions of yourself you know and that's you know there ain't nothing like going to war against weaker versions of yourself man it's the best, right. way, you can, best way you can fight and then you know and, and you know the strongest weapon we all possess is the mind it's oh, a yeah. matter of, of you know developing and refining it and being able to utilize it at its optimum levels 100 percent, 100 percent what would you say is your favorite quote or mantra as we hit these closing questions? <laughs> hmm. Well, actually, well, I like I like the, the Romans twelve twenty one. Yeah, you know, I actually have two. You know, I got I got tattooed on my arms, but Romans 12, 20, 12, 21. You know, if you overcome with evil, it'll overcome evil with good. And yeah. uh, Exodus fifteen three, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is His name. Man, so good, man. I could I, that's how I could go on a whole another podcast. We start talking about the Lord as a warrior. You know, that's why I got him over here on my arm, man. There you that's, go. It's, it's one of those things like, oh man, because they'd be like, Well, what about thou shalt not kill? I'm like, thou shalt not murder. You read your Bible, you're gonna find God empowered so many warriors to do his will on this planet. Really? It's an honorable, honorable service for an elite few, man. You know, um, that's, yeah, I love that stuff. That's good stuff, man. Heck yeah, brother. How would you like to be remembered when the dust settles, man? What's it all been for? Well, I, I would, I would say it was all for God and family. Yeah. Solid. I mean, at, the, at the end of the day, that's all you have. Mm -hmm. That's all that really matters. And, and if your family isn't blood, your family are those who, who are part of your world, a part of your life. That's family. It is not always, you know, by blood. You know, so you we're like brothers by choice, not by blood. You know, yep. you know you, I already accept you as family. Yeah. You know what I mean? I so, you know what I mean? So it's all good. You know what I mean? It's just a matter of taking it to that next level. 100%. And, 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 you know, the thing is, and that's my whole, I don't want to say discontentment, but when I see, you know, I sit back sometimes and I watch some of the play warriors and people out doing, you know, whatever. And it's like, to me, it's like, what is your purpose? What is your real purpose? Is it about the flash? Is it about, you know, I can shoot, you know, a hundred rounds in the same hole or, you know. Second draw. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, all that kind of good stuff, which is good, it's cool, it's you know cool. what I mean? It's cool. But, you know, it's like, at the end of the day, what is your goal? Yep, yep. What's the value of what you're doing? Right. What is the value? Can you, can you take what you have in value and be able to help others? Because okay. as a warrior, that's your job, to protect and to help. Help those yeah, who can help themselves. You know what I mean? So what are you really doing? You know, yeah. so finding your purpose is very important as a warrior. 100 you know I mean? percent And a warrior without a war, man, doesn't have purpose. So you we you can't unsee what you've seen, man. You can't go back, you know. So you have to find that new fight. I love it, man. And that and then what you were saying about just the whole content game for me, I had to fight that battle when I first started. And I was like, well, I want to, I want to contribute and make some cool content. And then I was like, well, I'm just a, I'm just a Marine. Like who cares? You know, I'm not a Navy SEAL or like a Delta force guy, you know, like I don't have that extra pizzazz that you get when you have those titles, you know? So I was like, 
So then I started making some shooting videos and then I was like, man, what's the value? Like, this has got to be boring, you know? And then I started being like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that with my content, I'm giving people value. And so now I focus so much less on it being cool, but I focus on if you watch this video, you're going to be better. You're going to be harder to kill. You're going to be smarter. You're going to be able to protect your family better. You're going to be able to get home at the end of your watch. And that has really served me. And, and, and it really is. It's just a, a goal that's worth worth going after you know, rather than look at me in my cool shirt, my new cool draw. Let's me shooting in the Hawaiian shirt. There's me shooting with a black shirt. Uh-huh. It's like, it's just like, okay. Like that's I, entertainment. That's not value. You know, I love that, man. Being able to empower those who, who empower those who don't know the game to be able to protect themselves, being a man of God, being a man of family. Um, there's the family you're born with, but then there's the family you choose. There's a huge, that's your pack, man. That's your, your pride. Oh, yeah. That's uh, that's that's heavy stuff, man. Well, awesome, brother, man. What are you up to these days? Where can people find you? And then we'll shut this thing down. Um, well, I'm very elusive. You may not, <laughs> not just kidding. But now, but for the most part, you know, I'm between north uh, northern California, southern California. Yeah. Uh, just like I said, working working the book, working on a couple of other film projects right now uh, in development, as well as you know, you know, still doing still doing PI work, dignitary stuff, you know, so. I'm, I'm, I, I said, I put it like this. I'm where God needs me. He's going to lead. <laughs> That's you know what I'm saying? I love it. Where can people find the book? Oh, you can get the book online. Uh, uh, the www.officer1eight7.com. It's, nice. you know, it's available on Amazon as well, but it's only ebook on Amazon and Google and Barnes and Noble. But if you go to the website yeah. or, you know, through the Instagram, same thing, officer1eight7 get the book there nice yo send me those links after this we'll put it in the write-up so they can oh, find absolutely it right absolutely thank you brother i really appreciate you know your time talking with me i mean just talking and chopping up with you was up was a pleasure in itself but you know from one man of god to another man i can see what you're doing is, is so powerful man and i want to be a part of whatever you have and whatever contributions i can give to you and to your goals that would be my honor Yo, yo, that the honor is mine, brother. The honor is mine. I'm so glad we're connected. I'm looking forward to all the cool things we're gonna do. I can already feel it. Like I already know. You know how you know we already know. Yeah, yeah. It's already, it's already written in stone. Yeah, we already know this stuff's happening. It's coming. It's coming. So, man, it's been an honor. This has been an amazing conversation. I we could easily do like three podcasts back to back. I can already, I already tell the comments. Right. You only got one story. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, I know, right? So, nah, man, we're going to have to do this again, but we're going to do some more cool stuff for sure. Okay. Man. So thank you so much for your time and attention and, and, you. and your contributions to the tribe. And uh, yeah, Paul, we'll talk again soon. I'm looking forward to everything, my man. Absolutely, brother. Thank you so much. God bless. God bless. Number five. Boom. Yo, what up? I hope you guys really enjoyed that episode. Hey, listen, in order to get more out of the brand, I want to encourage you to go join us on our social media platforms and join us at protectornation.com. We post different types of content on our different platforms at different times. Uh, You'll get blog posts, you'll get videos, you'll get real world combat engagements and things like that. So stay plugged in in order to get the most out of the brand. In order to support us, also go to protectornation.com and buy something or join forces with me on Patreon. You'll scroll down the homepage and you'll see the link. Uh, anything you can give counts, you know, think about whatever you would lose in your cushions or like spend on McDonald's this month, five bucks a month, whatever it is. Uh, that helps. That helps us make the world a better place by making good people dangerous. Anyways, 
This is Byron Rogers, protector by nature and by trade. And I'll see you on the next piece of content, whether it's a video or podcast. Out.